Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So this is the second half of the show with Mark. Um, talks a lot of lessons learned from his 30-year career, how duplicate payment analytics can pay for themselves, and the tools that he uses um, within his analytics program. So uh, a lot of really good stuff. Uh, he also wanted to let you guys know, if you have questions, feel free to email him and he will get back to you. Uh, I could tell you his email, but honestly, just Google Emory Internal Audit and look for the only data analytics guy. All right, here we go. Um, you know, risk identification um, and business intelligence, just enterprise-wide, you know, CCM gives us the ability to, um, again, identify indicators of potential compliance issues. And one area that we, we ran into had to do with, we, we created a, um, an analytic that we called a, a, a grant, federal grant burn analysis. So we're looking to see how quickly is somebody, is a, you know, is a PI burning through their grant. And so in some cases, we're starting to see their spend occurring before the actual grant date, before the begin date of the grant. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing where their spend occurring after the grant date had ended. And then we're looking to see, are they making, um, uh, let's say, large asset purchases toward the end of the grant? Because typically those large assets should be occurring at the beginning of the grant. Yeah. And then we also look for things like, well, what are they spending the money on? Are they spending it on alcohol? Because some grants you know, disallow that. So again, being able to apply rules of policy against, against some of these grants. And we, again, we, we get some interesting results from that. Yeah, and some of these tests, you don't have to be a you know an analytics guru or um, super technical. We're just looking at did they spend money, grant money after the end date. You know that's not super difficult uh, to do, even in something as uh, like Excel. Um, so I think that's something that we could all kind of take away from this is you don't have to be the analytics guru to do some of these tests. Now, if you are the analytics guru, then what you can do is you can create a story about, let's say, that particular grant or that PI, again, and show your visualizations right. now using tools like, you know, like Tableau. And that way, again, you kind of create a, a story that, that shows the behavior, you know, of the grant or of the PI. So that, that way, you kind of have it all in one place. 
and then you can see a pattern of, you know, of misconduct potentially. Yeah, that's a really good point. Or again, or policy violation. Um, so again, what data analytics can do is it can help point out policy violations, um, you know, purchasing pattern outliers, um, for example, uh, if there's a lack of receipts or, or approvals. So, you know, in our systems, typically when somebody's purchasing something um, and they get the invoice, the invoice is supposed to be uploaded into the system. And then, then they're supposed to be, you know, in a, a workflow approval process. So we can use our analytics to actually identify, you know, is there an actual um, invoice that was uploaded uh, and was it properly approved? Um, also, like from an accounting perspective, you know, we can look for, let's say, high volume of, of cost transfers. You know, is that happening? Or deficit accounts. Um, and then from the HR perspective, we can also look for or do a turnover analysis. So is there a particular department where they seem to have a lot of high turnover compared to other departments in that same school? Yeah. Um, also, we can look at uh, poor performance ratings. You know, which employees, you know, is there a particular pattern of employees that are consistently having poor performance? And again, it may not necessarily be that employee. It could be their supervisor that's just giving them, you know, poor, right. poor evaluation when, when they shouldn't be. So that, that, again, it kind of helps us understand the landscape of the land and what's going on in those areas. Uh -huh. You know, again, to, to data analytics, I think it's important to um, use analytics in all the different processes of an audit. And, and so when I mean different processes, that would mean things like your planning stage, uh, your scoping, your field work, uh, reporting, and then again, being able to inform uh, ongoing audit management and monitoring support. So you want to be able to use the results, you know, of the audit to refine analytics and potentially include a continuous auditing as part of that monitoring effort. So again, just the idea of being able to use analytics in all these different areas. Right. And again, as you were saying earlier, you know, you don't have to, obviously, when you're just getting started, you wouldn't be attempting all this at one time, but hopefully you'll get to that place as you sort of go up on the maturity curve that you're going to be able to include all these different areas uh, with your analytics. Um, earlier I talked a little bit about our continuous controls monitoring system and how we basically build our own system. And I just wanted to briefly describe what we've done. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have, um, we're mainly an Oracle shop. So, all of our ERPs systems is basically Oracle PeopleSoft. So um, that includes HR payroll benefits, um, finance, um, which would include, you know, again, your AP and, and your travel. Uh, we have a, a P card system and a corporate card system where the bank we're using is uh, JP Morgan Chase, but we have an interface or an integration that goes into PeopleSoft financials. So we can see all those transactions. And then for our time and attendance data, we're pulling that out of Kronos. So basically we have a, an ETL function, which is you know, extract, transform, and load data from the source systems. And then basically what happens is they get loaded into a SQL Server database. So we have a Microsoft SQL Server database that gets loaded with 
um, all these different tables that we're pulling from these different source systems, which then allows us to write algorithms against them uh, to look for exceptions. And when we find exceptions, we write them out to an exceptions database. And then uh, once they go in the database, then an email alert is sent to a responsible person to basically evaluate that exception to determine whether or not it's a false positive or it really is a, a true exception. And so what happens is uh, they'll receive an email and in the email it'll contain a link. When they click on the link, it takes them to a dashboard. And this is really what our, it's like a, it's like a web, uh, web dashboard for them, which has certain parameters that they can control. And so um, once they uh, open up that, that dashboard, they can see the exceptions that are only you know, for their eyes and no one else can see them. And then they can go in and they can uh, edit those exceptions and they can see, I mean, the exception uh, information, we try to make sure is, is pretty complete that they can gain a pretty good understanding as to what's going on. Occasionally they may have to do additional research on that. And in some cases they may actually have to pull a document and upload that document. And so our system allows that to happen where you can actually upload an, an attachment and then it gets tied to that exception. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and so what's great about that is if we ever have to do you know, an audit, all that documentation is already there. It's right already there. there. Yeah. So again, makes, makes it, it shows that we're working smarter yeah. <laughs> in that case. Um, so uh, you know, then, then they have an area where they can include notes about the exception. And then really the final piece for them is to just update the status to get letting us know whether it was a, a true exception or whether it was a false positive. And so they're, you know, so we have this, we call it in a CCM, but really for them, it's more of the auditing product. You know, they're, they're actually receiving uh, information that came out of this automated audit. And then our job as internal auditors then is to monitor their work to make sure they're actually uh, reviewing these exceptions and, and then updating the statuses and then, and then including attachments for whatever they need to do. Right. So that way, you know, our CCM is really is a dual role. It allows us to see what's going on, you know, with the work that they're doing and then it allows them to be able to have the information that they need to go out and then research these exceptions. Yeah. Nicely built. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a very, uh, efficient and effective process for us. And I think I, I want to you know, maybe talk a little bit about some of the benefits that we realized from it. Yeah, please. So um, I, I think it took us about six weeks to implement the system, the CCM. And uh, I, I will admit I did have a consultant that, that worked with me because um, I'm not a SQL Server expert and uh -huh. he was but I'm very familiar technically with uh, Oracle and PeopleSoft. And uh, also I, I feel like I'm pretty solid when it comes to the functional aspect of it. So I can bring that to the table and then he was able to bring the SQL Server knowledge to the table. Yeah, and I think that's uh, a good point is, especially if you only have one kind of dedicated data analytics person in your group, the expectation that they will know every, uh, how to work every piece of tech along the, the chain is kind of um, 
the expectations are too high that somebody would be able to do that, right? Like you can't know SQL, you can't know Oracle, you can't know Unix if you have to use Unix for whatever reason. You can't know the tool, you know, the analytics tool, the bot tool, the visual tool. There's got to be an understanding from management that you might need to bring in uh, some outside help to do like exactly it for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, you, you can't have all those and also be an internal auditor, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a lot to, lot to do. So, yeah, so certainly, you know, we're not afraid to ask for help when we, we know we need something. And, you know, in this case, uh, when I first came into our, our department, we talked about building this, this system. You know, we, we talked about, okay, we're, we'll definitely need some help. But, again, the, the price was right. And so when I talk about the price, the, the cost, let's talk about the cost of the system we were actually able to recover the cost within six weeks wow. of identifying potential duplicates. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, the cost was, was a five figure number. Um, and so within six weeks, we, we had already surpassed um, catching potential duplicates. Now, again, by catching them means that they didn't, they didn't get paid. Right. Mm -hmm. So we saved, you know, saved us from having to, recover that, you know, after, after pin was made. Um, so, uh, and then after the first two years of implementation, we had realized the savings of over a million dollars of wow. potential bits. Yeah. Um, you know, and so when we first, again, started talking about this, we felt like the ultimate goal is to see, well, it's kind of actually like the way the, coronavirus is spreading, right? It's like a bell curve, where right? you're going to start out slowly, and then all of a sudden you're going to see all these transactions getting caught. Uh, but, but then eventually you want to start to see those decrease, right? You want to see the acceptance start to go down, which means that, that there's learning occurring, yeah. whether it's from the people that are keying it in or, um, you know, or a combination working with a vendor, you know, things like that. So that's ultimately what we're, we were trying to, to get to. And, um, you know, we had no idea how long this curve would, would, would go for. You know, it's just one of those things kind of like right today. Like, well, you know, the more testing we do, it seems like the more, you know, the more people we're identifying yeah. you know, that have the virus. So here it's like, well, gee, the more transactions that we're, you know, reviewing, we're starting to see a lot more duplicates. And again, the idea here is, we are covering 100% of the transactions. So, you know, until somebody is made aware that they have a problem, they're going to continue to continue to do it. So sometimes it just takes a while to get there. Yeah. You know, so, and I believe we are now at that point where we are starting to see a, a lot less of the same type of duplicates. Occasionally we, we do see new, new, you know, new ones come up that we hadn't seen before. Um, and, and one of the areas that, that we were able to, um, help was when a, an invoice comes in, sometimes the, the supplier doesn't know whether or not to send it to the university or send it to the healthcare system. Right. So um, healthcare has their own procurement system and the university has their own procurement system. And then what happens is um, they both, the invoices get loaded into both. And since they are different uh, vendor IDs, when it comes to going through the payment process, oh, yeah. it says, oh, what's a different vendor ID? Maybe the same you know, invoice number, the same invoice amount, and the same invoice date, but it's a different vendor ID. So it's a coincidence for me to pay it. So with our system, we're able to capture that. And again, 
um, looking at those different attributes of, well, again, if it's the same invoice number and amount and date and the vendor name is, is pretty much the same, you can pretty much yeah. assume it's probably a duplicate. You got a good one. Yeah, so we're able to do that. We're able to you know, bring in data from both sources like that and then determine whether or not it's a true duplicate. So that was a huge, a huge help because a lot of these um, dollar amounts are, are high when it comes to uh, healthcare. So um, we, we were able to, to you know, capture some that were over $50,000. Wow. You know, just like one was $50,000. Okay, that was, that was a really you know, quick win for us. Yeah. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So again, the idea here is that we are being able to reduce the cost by um, caching exceptions prior to the transaction being complete and the payment made. And so, again, there's, there's the, we're able to then shift our audit manpower now to hopefully um, higher value opportunities. Because now we have the system that's running, it runs 24 you know, seven, doesn't go on vacation, doesn't take a break. The only time it actually uh, stopped was um, we had to actually upgrade our SQL server and uh, I had to, you know, bring the consultant back in because again, I'm not a single server guy, right? So I had to bring him back in, and you know, luckily he's you know still available, and he, um, you know, he's familiar obviously with our process. Now, again, he may not be up on all the latest updates for SQL Server, but again, he knows pretty much how we should be able to test once we make our, um, you know, our, our transition into the on the new server, and the testing is really the the most lengthy part of it. The actual, you know, upgrade is pretty, pretty straightforward and yeah. being able to copy files over and things like that. But, you know, then when you start going through your testing, you have to be really careful about what the results look like. So that, that probably took us, um, you know, I, I think we actually decided to give it two weeks. So we were, we were kind of down for two weeks to make sure we had the testing correct. And then, um, then we were able to then, you know, bring it back up and then pick up those prior two weeks. So that way we, we didn't miss anything. Yeah. I think a two week vacation is fair. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Considering the 24 hours a day that it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, so yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like whenever you do have a situation where you're doing an upgrade, then potentially you, you will have some downtime. Yeah. Um, now again, in our situation um, and, and here I'm actually going to talk a little bit about, some additional benefits that, that we realized. And that is um, because we, internal audit does not actually have to uh, maintain the SQL server. It's actually being maintained by our, our by the university IT group. Okay. So we're able to actually leverage, you know, their uh, expertise in making sure that we're not gonna run out of space um, and that the system is highly available. 
um, you know, things like that. So the idea being that we didn't go out and buy some strange thing that nobody understands how to you know, maintain. Yeah. We, we, have, we have a product that there are people that actually understand it. They know how to maintain it. Now, they, again, they may not know um, our system, our CCM system, you know, that, that's on us, but they know everything about the machine itself. And uh, that, again, that helps us leverage uh, their, their experience, you know, from that perspective. Okay. And also, um, since the university owns a number of these servers, it reduces the cost of licensing for us. Exactly. Helping, helping to bring down that cost. Um, and so, you know, again, in building our, our system, we want to make sure that it has that capability of expansion. And so that way we can continue to add, uh, what I call them new integrity checks. Uh, so that way, uh, if somebody comes to us and say, hey, here's something that we think might be important to, to monitor, can you build that for us? You know, so we, we've made sure that we can, we can do that with our, our system. Yeah, I, I just wanted to briefly now talk about how we just recently had a, uh, a third party come in to look at uh, duplicate payments that the AP uh, department had hired. And um, basically the, the scope of, of the project uh, was looking back for uh, paid invoices from uh, January of 2016 through August of 2019. So um, that's like 44 months, right? And what they determined was the um, amount of spend was $5.8 billion. That's with a B, right? Billion. And um, there, after they did their review, they came back and said, you know, relative to the invoice transactions for this period, uh, the findings indicate that Emory University has good management and control practices in place. So we felt really good, you know, to hear that. And so then we see some of the, these results, and basically out of that 5.8 billion, um, they they um, uh, only claimed uh, $360,000 out of that, and so um, there were uh, three, uh, four. I'm sorry, 437 payments that they identified as um, claims that they, that they were gonna go ahead and follow up on. And out of those 437, there were actually only 41 duplicates. And so, um, you know, if we look at uh, the number of payments that were actually written, which was, there were 336,000 payments and only 41 duplicates. And that comes out to um, a percentage of 0.01%. And typically, what they told us that normally they would see anywhere from 0.1% up to 0.5%. So we were way, way under yeah. the threshold. So that basically showed us that, again, CCM is working. You know, it's, it's identifying those duplicates. So they were really disappointed that they didn't find more claims. Right. You know, it was good for us, not, maybe not so good for them. <laughs> um, Yeah, so I wanted to just briefly talk about data acquisition because that's a, a pretty important topic when it comes to data analytics. A lot of times it's hard to know what data you should be going after. And so what we do is we have a, um, a chart that we use that kind of helps us understand what's the best data to go after. 
And so first we look for data that's highly available. Um, is it something we can get our hands on pretty quickly? Then we want to make sure that there are people who actually understand the data. So there has to be comprehension there. And then we want to make sure that the data is of high quality. Uh, is it consistent in nature and is it complete? Um, then we want to make sure that the, the data is an area where we do find risk. So it needs to be risk as well. And then we look at the complexity of the data. We have to ask, is the data being obtained from three sources or less? Anything beyond that makes it much more complicated to deal with. That's a good point. We're really not going to deal with it. And then the last thing is uh, repeatability. You know, will the audit being performed, um, will, be, will the audit be performed multiple times using a, a similar data source? So again, we want to make sure that that is repeatable. And, you know, we go through the, those questions and we say, yeah, 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 all this. So we know, okay, this is data that we know we can use, we can get it pretty easily, and we can work with it. And that comes. Um, and then just briefly, you know, the tools that we use, uh, you know, we, we use IDEA, which I'm, I'm sure probably people have heard of IDEA. Um, also, we use a tool called Alteryx. And Alteryx is really good for data blending and data cleansing. And, and then being able to, to um, uh, put your output in a format that can go directly into Tableau. And so, you know, Tableau is the other uh, tool that we use because uh, you can then create all of your visualizations on a desktop and you can publish it out to a web server. And then once it goes to the web server, then, you know, people in the different departments can then have access to it. So, yeah, again, so it takes out that build it and uh, build it, make it, it takes out the building the visual and then emailing it out to everyone. And then exactly. the next time yeah. you update it, emailing that out to everyone and uh, just using the server version, you can just log in and see if there, you know, there's been any data updates and you can see those, um, every day if you'd like. Yeah. And, and so it, it becomes a single source of truth, yep. you know, and nobody can, nobody can change it. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much, um, you know, all the things I want to talk about, except for, I just wanted to briefly mention some of the, uh, you know, the key challenges that we, we ran into uh, and some of the lessons that learned. So um, we realized that it's very important to make sure you have a technical person who again can help develop and maintain your analytics program. Uh, you want to make sure you also have an assigned IT person, you know, in the IT group that you can work with directly as well. Uh, so that way they can notify you of any potential system updates or, or upgrades that are going to be occurring. And also what's important is when you're trying to decide what kind of analytics to do, you want to make sure that you uh, find partners uh, in the departments who see the value because you want them to be on your side. You want them, you want to be able to show them the value of it. You want their buy-in. That's the key is getting their buy-in. Absolutely. And then, and the last thing really is uh, you want to continuously review, review the reasons for some of the false positives, positives that you may get. And so that way it'll help you to improve your accuracy going forward. And so again, it's kind of the concept of continuous uh, improvement. All right, well, that's um, you know pretty much what I wanted to try and go over uh, in, in the time that we have. Well, I think we probably could have spent uh, about a full day. <laughs> How many times I wanted to interject and go, oh, wait, 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 can you talk more about that thing and that thing and that thing? Uh, yeah. 
there's yeah there's a lot of detail behind i just kind of gave it the uh 50,000 foot view yeah so yeah i appreciate it uh the folks listening appreciate it i'm sure there's you know there's a, a ton of takeaways regardless of where you are in your uh, building out your analytics uh, process or your program from, you know, if you have nothing at all to um, kind of on that the higher end bleeding edge type area, there's still some good, uh, some good takeaways for everybody along that path. So Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Sure, Trent. Appreciate it. Yep. And we'll probably, we'll, we'll be sure to have you back on. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you very much. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.